Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Rob and Callie Show. My name is Rob Kay. I'm a life coach in New York City, and I'm sitting here with a very dear friend of mine, Callie Alpert. What's up, Callie? Hi, Robbie. How are you doing? I good to see you. I am so good. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. I'm very happy to sit across from you in the studio. That always makes me happy. Me too. I love doing this. I know. Me too. Have if- we mentioned that lately? I think this is just something that we should keep doing. (laughs) I think this is very valuable. The world needs it and we like it. And that is enough said. Done. I'm down. I'm in. So today we're going to talk about something that Callie and I have been putting (laughs) off for a while. (laughs) Procrastinating big time. I'm going to be honest with everybody. We've talked (laughs) about this topic and we're like, yeah, we can put that off for another episode. But today we're going to talk about sex and love. We're going to talk about relationships and we're going to talk about being two people who are a little later in life and still haven't settled down, haven't done the sort of meeting somebody, settling down, having two kids, having that full life, maybe at an earlier age, and having the journey that may have been different off the beaten path than other people, but it's been our journey and what we've learned from it and maybe some wisdom we can pass on or just talk about what's going on with us. Very gently put. I can just <laughs> nobody can see your face but me. But you're being you're you're being so um, careful and thoughtful about the way you're characterizing our tragic love lives. This, no, I'm just kidding. They're okay. not tragic. We're two losers. <laughs> we're doing this podcast, and we're hoping that someday we meet somebody. No, it's so funny because it's such a vast topic. I, I feel like we're venturing into the unknown in the hugest, biggest <laughs> way we've done so far. So, as far as myself. Um, I think that, you know, I've talked about before in the show, I've been a late bloomer in certain ways. And one of the ways that I was a late bloomer was having a substantial long-term relationship. I've usually been able to meet women, talk to women, get women's phone numbers, go out. But as far as meeting somebody who I felt very compatible with, where I felt like we had enough of a foundation for a long-term relationship, it took me longer than most in life to be able to experience that. And I think that it's something I had to prepare myself for. I had a lot of blocks, my own issues, childhood stuff, just things that I had to heal and take care of and also learn about myself Mm -hmm. to where I could let somebody get that close and experience that type of intimacy. Now, I got to tell you, it took me a while as a guy to learn there's a difference between intimacy, affection, and sex. Like all those different (laughs) things. When I was younger, they all kind of meant the same thing. I'm so glad to hear that at least you now know that there might be a little bit of separation between those. Well, it took me a while. And then it's like, you know, I learned that um, really it takes a lot of courage to let somebody get close to me and let a woman really see me and see the the good parts and the ugly parts and the things that I think she's going to run away from and to let somebody get that close where I stand still, they stand still, and we get to know each other for a while and have something meaningful. And I'm so grateful that I experienced that. But to anybody who it's taken a while for you to experience that, don't worry. It happened to me. Everyone's on their own journey and on their own time frame. So one thing that I think kept me from having that relationship is not getting my priorities straight. And I had to learn that just because it's great sex doesn't mean it's going to be a great relationship. And um, maybe just because we intellectually have a lot of things in common or we have common interests or 
emotionally, you know, there's a, a lot of work that we've both done that we can relate to, but the physical attraction isn't there. It doesn't mean that's going to make a good relationship. So for me, it's been a challenge finding somebody who I'm compatible with in a lot of different mm. ways. And, you know, I'm, I'm still working on myself and I'm hopeful that eventually that will happen where I find a lifelong partner to settle down with, but it hasn't happened yet. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I genuinely don't. There's just so many things. So many things. Um, yeah, I really, I, I truly don't know where to, where to begin with this one. Um, I think for me, and this we were talking about this a little bit before we um, started recording today, mm. that um, as a woman in her early 50s, um, I guess I shouldn't talk about myself in third person. That would be me. Um not having gone the traditional trajectory of, like you said, you know, having experienced a marriage and kids right now um, yet, and now probably, you know, having to look at what that will be in a different kind of way just based on human biology is an exception to the rule. And it's not something I ever consciously chose not to do. And that doesn't mean that unconsciously we don't all pick our relationships and the direction that our love lives take and all those kinds of things. And, you know, clearly there are lessons I need to learn um, and have along the way. But what's interesting too is that you start to redefine your relationship with the idea of relationships. When I was younger, and I think this probably um, holds for, true for many women out there, there's kind of a, you know, in, in your 20s and 30s, there's a, um, I want to get to the finish line, where is the one? so that I can marry the one and have children and create a family. And it's it's something you check off the list. And I don't mean that flippantly, but it's a huge goal that you aspire to get to, a finish, a finish line of sorts. And then if that doesn't happen, you get to your late 30s and early 40s, and by the grace of modern technology and science, a lot of women are still able to have children on their own in, you know, in those years, as, albeit it gets a little more difficult. And then you go through that stress. And I did as well, fertility clinics and sort of dabbling and going to adoption conferences and being very busy in my career. So I half-assed all of it. And I never fully committed because secretly I really wanted to still do it the old-fashioned way with a partner. And then the next thing you know, those years have transpired. And then you get into your early and mid-40s. And then suddenly, at least for me, thank goodness, there's a whole new level of liberation that happened because now it's clear none of those rules are going to apply to me and that, that checklist doesn't apply to me. So I have to make up my own. I remember so consciously thinking when I was younger, oh my gosh, if I don't find this, you know, my partner in life or at least one significant one to spend a good amount of my adult years with, uh, how am I going to even survive? It's the most important thing I can think of. And that kind of attachment and that kind of is, despite the fact that I'm a very um, self-sufficient person and good on, in my own company and have an amazing family and group of friends and a very full life, really didn't know how I was going to um, how I was going to deal with that not happening. And then, you know, if and as you go forward, that doesn't happen, you realize you can't define your days by that and you can't attach to it because your life is still continuing on and you suddenly become happier and lighter again, And which is where I am now. It's really interesting, which probably takes you closer to 
finding your mate yeah. because you're filling up your own cup as much as you possibly can, right? Yeah. So that's just like from a woman's perspective, you know, on paper, knowing all the pressures of biology and the constructs of what the shoulds are, mm. and they're all beautiful ones, and mm -hmm. I wanted them for myself as well, but to make peace with the fact that that's not what's happened is a really nice thing that I encourage any young woman who's listening who, who you know, might be in one of those phases and freaking out about it might want to try on for size. Yeah. And anybody who's listening who feels shame because they haven't met the right person to settle down with, or they're on a later time frame than other people that they know, please just don't even listen to that shame because I think it's bullshit. I think everybody's on their own evolutionary path. It's like, I think that everyone's allowed to live their own life and I'm just not the kind of person. And maybe it's the artistic side to me or just the fact that, you know, I'm trying to be an evolved guy. But I think there's value to everybody and everyone's life, and it doesn't have to be the same. And I like different. And living different is challenging sometimes because sometimes I do the compare and despair, and I look at friends of mine in college, or I look at peers that I have just in general in life now, and they have settled down or they have met somebody, and I haven't. And it's easy to feel low self-esteem or what am I doing wrong or what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with me. It's just taking me a little bit longer time-wise than other people. People. I want to talk about the one compared to a one. Yeah, definitely. It's a lesson that I've learned, but it, it, it comes with time. Well, because someone actually mentioned that to me, that it's not about finding the one. There's a lot of the ones. There's just a one for me. And I think that's taking a lot of pressure off me mm -hmm. or any relationship or any woman I'm dating where I got to figure out, is this the one? you know, it's maybe a one for me and mm. I only need one, you know? <laughs> right. At least we're one at a time unless you want to move to Utah, but yeah, that's all good. Well, that was, that was another lifetime ago. We could talk about that another time. I also think too, and hey, I mean, the, the self-effacing part of me says, oh, is this just justification for where I'm at romantically? Yet, uh, I do truly believe always have that every romantic relationship that we have in our lives is a mirror for us to work out our stuff in our families of origin. And yeah. that is a wildly, grossly overarching generalization. I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that it is true. Yeah. And I haven't met any exceptions. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm no professional. This is just my own personal life experience. Mm -hmm. And with that, I've really come to acknowledge that because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you're more valuable. And because you're single doesn't mean you're less valuable. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard from people, why are you single? You're so A, B, and C, nice glowing things that people, you know, see or witness or think about like, me. I know exactly why I'm single. <laughs> Do you have some time? <laughs> I've even gone so far as to ask people that know me really well, what are my blind spots? Please let me know. Like if there's something that, you know, I'm doing, but, um, you know, I, I've tried to dig really deep on this topic because yeah. there have been, um, I'm very all or nothing. I'm either really in a relationship or I'm really single. I'm not a date or we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Um, Cause I know there's a lot to talk about on that level too. Mm -hmm. And yet, I, like I said, I've really come to realize that being in a relationship is not a reflection of how um, eligible you are. 
it has to do with the lessons you need to learn or not learn. There's yeah. people learning re lessons in their relationships. There's people that get into relationships way too early because of the shoulds. Yeah. And then they get into trouble and they get anchored down and they get mortgages and they have children and it becomes much harder to extricate themselves. So it's so important not to compare because behind closed doors – who knows it's what not what's on. happening, yeah. you know. So I think that's one thing, just to find our peace with that, and also then to really look at what it is that you need to learn mm -hmm. in order to bring somebody in. You know, I mean, as a woman who's worked in television in New York City, that's become a very convenient excuse. Um, I I've tried not to dignify it. I don't think it's the reason mm -hmm. for my um, the um, times in my life when I haven't been in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I think it's a factor. Logistics, it's hard. Cities are tough. The older you get, it's hard. The numbers diminish in terms of your odds, blah, blah, blah. But I genuinely believe that it really has to do with looking inside and figuring out what you have to learn, what you're not able to receive, what you have to undo, what lessons you, you know, what pain you have to heal from your childhood, what you have to fill, et cetera, and so on. And so, again, I just think the outside world of romance, and here we are, two of us, the reason we wanted to talk about this is because we're both, on paper, kind of aberrations to be in our, you know, our age bracket and not have lived that kind of traditional construct yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a lot of learning along the way. You know, it's sort of like, even though I, I didn't settle down and have kids, I've learned so much. Yeah. I've grown so much. And I think it makes me a better partner, you know? Absolutely. That's Sorry, I don't mean to – you just got me a little um, – well, all yeah. of this kind of is, is, is good and exciting conversation. Um, but I, I do think that's true too. I think sometimes the longer you wait, there's that fine line where they talk about like, oh, what's wrong with him? He's 45 and he hasn't been married yet. There must be something wrong with him. Yeah. And sometimes there is. Sometimes yeah. there's some major roadblock that's never going to get healed. Yeah. But often it can make for a healthier partner who's worked more on themselves. Mm -hmm. Similar to people that come out of marriages when, that they got into too early and they go to therapy yeah. and then they, and they dig deep. And anyway, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's all right. And you know, for me, I, I talked about this on another episode, but I'm just, I'm so glad we're talking about this. And I got to say, it takes a lot of courage for us <laughs> to talk about this. You know, we're really sitting here kind of naked, <laughs> letting everybody know who we are in a way. It's great. Well, we haven't gotten naked yet, but yeah, well, you know, we will by the end of the show. Yeah. That's just kind of how we do it naturally, you know? <laughs> anyway, um, so I remember, you know, being in my early 20s out of college and I was obsessed with getting a girlfriend. I want a really great girlfriend. And back then I, I was so much more codependent and looking for a woman to fill that hole in my soul. And I just thought, if I'm in a relationship, I'm going to feel really good about yep. myself. And I think it's something that young people in general do. And then as I get older... I found that even though I had relationships, they were fleeting and uh, sometimes it can go past a month. And I kept ending up with women who had a lot of problems. And like you said, I was mirroring what was going on with me. I didn't feel that good about myself. I had my own issues to take care of. I needed to get into therapy, really start exploring what was going on with me, my blocks to love and success. And that took years and it took work. And along the way, as I'm dating, for me as a young guy, it was really about physical stuff. It was about sex, you know, really great sex, really great physical chemistry. And I wasn't paying so much to, is she a nurturing person? Is she a giving person? Is she a thoughtful person? Is she interesting? Does she have interesting ideas? You know, do we share things in common? Like I wasn't really paying attention to that. Then as I got in my thirties, much more of that and looking at things like that. 
And then, you know, eventually having a long-term relationship, two and a half years, which for me was a long time to commit to somebody and stand still and let somebody get that close and get to know me that well. And um, I'm so grateful for it. I mean, we're still friends and I'm just, the love. She's I, a lovely gal. Yeah, I can attest to that. Well, you're fortunate enough to have met her yeah. and she is, you know, just a great person. And we just had dinner the other night. I'm so grateful that we're still friends because I said to her in the beginning of the relationship when we, because we both had never experienced something like this. And that was another gift from the universe that I met somebody who had been through the same thing I went through and I didn't feel so odd or different. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel strange about it, you know? And I remember in the beginning, we would have some talks and I'd say to her, we're friends first before we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And we always maintain that throughout the whole relationship. And I think that's why we're still friends. Even though we outgrew each other romantically, we're still very good friends. And that has been wonderful. So then I get to the point in my life where I get out of that relationship and move on and I've dated so much since then. I mean, I've dated so much in my life in general. Again, I'm a friendly guy. I think I've learned how to approach a woman, talk to her, get her phone number, make a date. First dates for me have never been a challenge. It's the second and third date yeah. that is a bit of a challenge. Yep. So that's something that, um, you know, has been an interesting part <laughs> of being a single guy in New York City or anywhere. Yeah. You know? I'm thinking of a conversation I had with a very close girlfriend of mine who is recently divorced. She and I, she's a good amount of years younger than I am, but she articulates my makeup to a T because she's made the same way. When it comes to filling the gaps in between relationship, when you want sex, but you're not somebody like you're talking about how you had to learn to separate um to you know, or I'm sorry, to not compartmentalize the idea of intimacy, sex, and um, and uh, emotionally and affection. Whereas I'm wishing that I could compartmentalize them a little <laughs> bit. You're my hero. Like that would be my dream if I could really do that. Right. I wish I could be that person. I've tried. I pretend just yeah. in the name of you know having some fun and and having some sort of dynamic or sex or whatever in between relationships. And I just can't do it. So she and I were talking about this because she is dating someone who. Um, she's wildly attracted to it's the first person since her um, uh, since her divorce, mm -hmm. since her husband, and she um, she's really taking her time and she does not take that lightly when she jumps into bed with someone. And so we were having all these kind of funny conversations about it recently. Mm -hmm. But that is a huge conundrum for me because I can pretend to do the kind of I don't want to call it a one night stand. That's really not typically my deal mm -hmm. um but the automatic the automatic kismet one night stand has that people that i meet that come into my life where there's some um very instant kismet and so it feels like there's some real energy there and some yeah. real intimacy and the conversations are deep but it just happens quickly yeah. it could happen when you're traveling or just in the off chance like you meet people in your life or whatever this yeah. is not dating this is just meeting people in life mm -hmm. and having a strong magnetism i get a little too connected to that it's much easier for me to have sex with them in that situation because I feel like there's some, and it's built on some false sense that in the day we've known each other, there's something going on, but it genuinely feels real. Right. And then what happens every time is, you know, 24 hours later when my oxytocin, is that the word? Is it oxy oxytocin kicks in? You know, all the chemicals and the endorphins kick in, all my, all my girl attachment 
you know, tentacles come out. And then I have these expectations that are ridiculous and unfair to project onto somebody who I really don't know. Mm. But in that moment, and I don't have, so I can't live in the in-between. And it's frustrating because mm. then you can have these long, you know, these long Saharan periods of your life in between real relationship where it's very hard to figure out what to do with that. Mm. I'm not a dater. I try. I'm a great first date. I'm open to first dates. But then by the second and third, if you're not feeling it, there's almost like this predetermined, um, you know, timeline of the second date this and the third date you kiss. And by the third date or fifth date, you're in bed with each other. Mm. And I've never done the well. Fifth date? I'm sorry. I know I'm a little slow. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, let's say the third and a half date. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, your, you know, the the shoulds kick in on some level, or at least there should be there there there's some evaluation or decision that needs to be made because people aren't busy building friendships. I am. Yeah. That's why I like meeting people in unintentional ways, like where I work or through friends, people that are naturally in your life and your life anyway. So that that's just another way to form a foundation mm. without having some something hanging over it that says, you know, you got to figure this out or this should have happened in this period of time already. You know. Yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm I'm posing all of these, these little conundrums because I still haven't sorted out how to handle them. Mm. I want to be that I want to be that girl that can compartmentalize and just get some action. Mm. I really do. I I really I can pretend, and it's really just not who I am. Mm. So getting action is great. You know that's part of dating and part it of being in a relationship. Is. And there ain't nothing wrong with good sex. Good sex is good. Makes the world go round. Absolutely. <laughs> At the same time, I've learned that it's not everything. And you know, as much as I'm a guy who has enjoyed, you know, having some interesting nights or fun nights at the same time i'm a sensitive guy i get kind of emotional and maybe more than the average guy and so there are other parts to dating somebody or, or just having sex than the sex so i don't know if that makes sense at all so anyway so what happened for me and this is the epiphany that i've had lately oh i need one so what i realized is that you know i was doing a lot of dating after my last serious relationship and online dating and trying to meet women and meeting them and going out, whether it was online or out and about. And I just found that, like you said, I kept attracting women who mirrored me. Yeah. And so I kept it, I would attract women who were nice and they were good people and interesting and cute and attractive and maybe, you know, somebody who I'd like to date, but most of them, were not ready for a guy like me. And uh, um, what I was surprised about is that, especially the last couple I had dates with, they had been betrayed by a guy really badly, mm. where they just had not gotten over that. And it's not that they were, um, it was turning them into mean girls or mean people or anything like that. The opposite, they were really sweet, kind people, again, tr attractive. And I thought they were really nice people. I could just tell they had not gotten over what had happened. And so what happened for me was online dating can be a part-time job. And I started to get Definitely. tired of it. Yeah. And I found that like between 9 and 11 at night are my lonely hours. That's when I usually get lonely. If I'm not doing something, I'm not watching a mech game, I'm not talking to a person, I'm not out and about. If I'm home alone between 9 and 11, it's kind of tough sometimes. And I said to my therapist, you know, those are my lonely hours. And he said, well, can you deal with the loneliness? Mm, sit in it. And I was like, that's a great 
fucking idea. <laughs> and so I started to sit in it and feel maybe the sadness that was beneath that and maybe cry a little or journal a little or do something nice for myself or just feel alone instead of going on Tinder and flipping through pictures and trying to see if I could find a girl or something like that. And so what I decided was I have a couple of buddies and they were talking about not dating at all. They were talking about taking a break from dating where they they weren't even getting girls' phone numbers. And I told somebody the other day, I've been getting a girl's phone number ever since <laughs> I could get a girl's phone number. <laughs> so I was like, that's a great idea. And um, I decided that this is in the beginning of the summer, I was not going to date at all. Now, I've done this before, but I've done it with the caveat, but I'm still going to try and pick up a chick if I think she's cute. And I stopped doing that. Mm. And so <laughs> this has been such a burden, such a weight off my shoulders where I don't feel the pressure that if I see a cute girl on the street, I got to go up and ask her out. I got to get her number. I got to mm. have a date. And what are we going to do on the date? And where's the date going to lead? And I noticed that with the woman that I was attracting, who I mirrored, I had to focus on my own stuff. They had to focus on their last relationship. I had to focus on my last relationship or just things that I hadn't taken care of yet, just basic self-care stuff, like getting this apartment that I moved into fully furnished finally, like hanging the drapes and making an office space and different things for myself. So what I did was I decided to completely focus on myself this summer, which I did. And I was so proud of myself how I didn't feel this compulsion or this obsession or this habit that I had to date or I had to ask a girl out and I'm still practicing it and it's been wonderful and it's made me feel like it doesn't have to happen it's gonna happen when it happens and you hear this all yeah. the time is that when you when least it, expect it exactly it's like when you don't try and make it happen it happens and I again I'm completely the opposite where I catch myself Oh, maybe I'm getting a little too good at enjoying myself on weekends by myself. And well, sometimes I find myself actually writing down and yes, I still have a date book. I don't do online calendars. I still have a pen and paper like for my that. calendars. And I'll write down, you know, go on whatever dating site I'm on to make a point of of um of that commitment for an hour tw twice a week because it's not my reflexive go-to thing mm. because it is such a job and it feels so choreographed and unnatural to me so i i, I live in completely the opposite um world than you do in terms of having to shut off the I i'm always thinking about it i'm always thinking about romance and sex and relationships and my own growth and all of that always yeah but I'm not actively in my days thinking about the people on the street or having a friendly conversation or who the next date is going to be. And I have to catch myself to make sure that I actually make some space for that in my day and in my mind. Yeah. Because I'm really good at not doing it, which, you know. Um, I've also, to your point about the dating being a job, I have – I've thought about this for so many years and I've struggled with it, which is how much to make it – a conscious effort and how much to just let life happen. That's like probably one of my biggest dharma paths in life on every level. How much do you put effort toward it because you don't want to be passive and how much do you just trust the universe and surrender that things are going to show up? And I'm stuck in the middle and philosophically, I really believe everything happens. Everything that's meant to happen does happen in its own time and I truly trust that and believe that. Mm -hmm. And I have plenty of examples to show, you know, in my life where um, to attest to that. 
That said, I also feel like it's a response, you know, everybody else is doing it. I guess I should get on these sites too and sort of make it happen. It reminds me of a scene from The Secret. If you ever saw the movie The Secret when it came out, there's a scene when, is that the one where, um, with Marley, um, uh, Marley Matlin? Where's oh, they're think, acting, or is that what the bleed do we know? Um, the, yeah, it's one one of those yeah. two where they're what doing the these little do impressionistic yeah. recreations of whatever they're talking about, and yeah. she's sitting on a beach, and she has a newspaper open to the personal ads, and she has it circled as if she needs to take a concrete step to make this happen, yeah. and then suddenly some great like volleyball gorgeous man hunk of a volleyball player or whatever runs by, kind of grabs her by the hand very organically, and they run down the beach together, and she throws the newspaper. That's I can relate to that on such a deep level because I waver between both yeah. and and I go through phases. I'm inconsistent with it. I'm not yeah. committed to one or the other. So I, yeah. I kind of half, you know, I, I, I try to tap into both of those. Um, but I do believe as your life is going by, the more open you can be, the more full you can be, mm-hmm. the more you project light and love and all those nice um, airy fairy things, the more you attract exactly what you're supposed to be attracting because your inner mm-hmm. world is what your outer world is living. Mm-hmm. Your inner script is exactly what you're experiencing day to day with your experiences, with your people, with your relationships, right? It's all in the vibe. So if I have a vibe that I'm desperate and it's got to happen and all this pressure, it's like, how Not am I going to attract somebody or attract somebody who I really could have a meaningful relationship with? And I think it's about, it goes back to what I said in the beginning that when I was younger, I was looking for the relationship to fill me up or make me feel valuable. And it's like to get away from that and to learn that I give myself that. And it sounds so corny and I know it's cliche, but it's true. It's like the better I feel about myself, the better part. I'm going to be. I think it's about what I'm telling the universe. And I think what I'm telling the universe is that I want something more. And I'm willing to give up that immediate gratification or feeling like I have to do something or make it happen to where I'm going to trust the universe to bring it to me when the time is right instead of me controlling it. So it's really about what we're telling the universe. Yeah. So as far as a takeaway from this, what do you think really, you know, what we could suggest to people to do. Like for me, it may be if you've been doing online dating or if you've been doing a lot of dating, you're finding that you're getting nowhere and you're not meeting anybody that you could have a real relationship with, maybe take a break. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's definitely important to sort of get quiet and take some time to figure out what you're projecting outward because that is what you're attracting and it's it's good to just be mindful of whatever that looks like. And I do believe that it's important to just fill your life up as much as you can, make yourself into the happiest person that you can, continue to live your life and do it with an open heart. So all those cliches about talk to the person in the grocery store line and in the bookstore really does work. And if you resonate energetically, because that's what I really think all this is about, it's it's about being in your heart and being about um, being organic with what you're aligned with. A lot of people really resonate with the online dating thing. I know main, major success stories from it. Mm-hmm. So if you're aligned with that, then do it gently. I think it's the difference between being overly attached and craving something with an outcome versus just having a nice soft desire that you sort of put out into the universe. Yeah. And that would be my takeaway. Yeah. It's really, again, all about the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Whatever feels like energetically aligned for you coming from your heart. That to me is the best way to bring in your lover, your lover of your life. And if you're alone in life and you're still single, just try and enjoy your life. Don't worry about it. It'll happen when it happens. 
So on that note, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us today. If you would like to continue to write in with your questions, comments, uh, uh, any advice that you're seeking so we can start addressing your questions, please write us at therobandcallyshow at gmail.com. My name is Callie Alpert. You can find me at callyalpert.com. And my name's Rob Kay, and you can find me at robkay.com. And we really appreciate everybody listening. Thanks a lot, y'all. Thank you.